Welcome to Far North Toker. This is episode 49, February 11, 2017. With your host, Mid Toker, thank you all for listening. Today's special guest, Jeremiah Emerson. He was so delightful in letting me have the opportunity to talk to him and share what he has to offer. Alaska in the cannabis industry, Alaska for consumers in the cannabis so much. We talked about uh, Jeff Sessions, immigration, consumer rights, on-site consumption, prices, taxes, all kinds of stuff. Let's get right to it. Well, hello. Well, hello, Jeremiah Emerson. It is so exciting to get this going. Whew. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited myself. Wow. So, um... I've played a little bit with doing this recording over Skype and seem, things seem to be working out. So, and you sound good. How am I sounding coming through on that side? It sounds great. Awesome. Well, um, I'm mid toker and it is so good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you too, man. So what's, um, um, before we jump right into sessions, are you token on anything right now? Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, doing some uh, homemade rosin, um, <laughs> Snowland, which is a L.A. confidential uh, snowcap Romulan cross genetics. And, yeah, it's a good blend. You know, it's not too uplifting and it's not too, um, too sleepy time. It's just right in the middle and... Uh, Great for pain relief. Uh, great flavor, too. Yeah, I see a lot of your uh, picks online, and it looks like you definitely know what you're doing. Well, I don't know about that. I try to try to do my best, and uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I've i got a lot to learn, I, I think, so, but uh, I do know a few things. Nice. What's So, um, also, well, I'm talking on some Sensi Star, by the way, so that's keeping me going right now. Nice. Um, I I have been noticing you since the beginning of legal cannabis here in Alaska. Uh, just to push that, that's when I really got into Facebook. And um, what what uh, if you want to talk about it a little bit? How what was your path with um, legal cannabis? Um, I've always been politically active in a lot of things, and cannabis was just one of those topics that you know came up. Couple, you know, it started getting real heavy two, three years ago, and I just followed along the best I could, read the news, and as we uh, started to get into regulation drafting is when I really got involved, started coming out, meeting people, going to like potluck events to meet people, networking. Um, there was a club in Homer, there was a club in, uh, Kenai, uh, Green Rush events. Um, and I'm just talking to people through social media, just trying to, um, provide input on, on regulations. And I just kind of, I, I do have, uh, I had an interest in starting a, an establishment, but with the, uh, uh, political climate we have, it's, I'm one of those that that I that is just waiting and watching to see what will happen. Now, um, uh, why um, you were involved in the beginning, weren't you? It seemed like you were getting ready I to get something going, and then things fell through. We were getting ready to go, and then the borough opt-out vote uh, got pushed through uh, by petitioners. And that's kind of when I backed off. I want to make sure. I mean, I'm pretty confident the vote will go well, but you never know. Um, and I'm right in the borough, so if that, if there's a ban that goes in effect, I would, you know, of course, I'd lose everything. So I'm, I'm not. At least mm-hmm. until this fall would be when I would really. If if by fall, they don't have. If we haven't seen some sort of federal crackdown, or if we if we win the vote then I will definitely be scrambling to get something going. Oh, good. Well, what's going to happen with, uh, I see that the Alaska Small Cultivators Association kind of dissolved or um, how, just not enough time or how, what happened with that? 
I would have to say that it would be a, a, a lack of time um, in a lot for for many of the board members. One of our board members, his wife, just uh, ended up going to the hospital. She'll be hospitalized for several months for her health, and so he doesn't really have time. And now he's got to raise kids. You know, she's not there, um, so he's not really able to dedicate time anymore. And the industry folks on the peninsula uh, um, kind of wanted to go a different direction than, you know, like with the campaign. They they wanted to manage and administer a campaign, and so they, they pretty much dedicated all their resources to that. And so that pretty much left us with really just a couple board members left. And we had tried to get drive up participation uh, to get more board members and we just we just weren't seeing a big uh, uh, interest in it and you know and, and in our dissolution statement we talked a lot about you know some of the things that we see that consumers have been pretty much ignored and left out in a lot of the process and it's it's generally when you get into discussions any any industry group you're around whether it's ACBA, AMIA, any of them, they're very hard focused on industry matters, matters of profit, matters of, you know, how do I, you know, how do I do this? And, that, and that's great. Those, uh, those, those groups are great. Um, but again, the, the consumers are getting left out. We start talking about pesticides. Oh, that's not a big priority. I would rather talk about something else like, for example, on-site consumption, when there are licensees in queue. I mean, there's just, I felt like I needed to, myself personally, I needed to take a different direction and and focus on consumers, um, especially, you know, if, and if the federal, reg, if the federal crackdown come, comes down, being in a trade association is completely representative of, of what they would consider illegal businesses. We would be we would definitely be caught in some sort of crossfire, and I don't want to be in that situation. No. Um, but but having having a consumer based five hundred one c four, which is pretty much how normal operates and has been able to operate for years and years and years, even under strict prohibition laws, um, I th I think that's the way we want to go. That way, we're representing more of a um, a civic role versus a business role so we do we do have plans to starting a new organization the three of the founding directors of asca but it's gonna take some time uh, what are the num uh besides pesticides you guys have got to be talking about price i mean that's just yeah. out of out of control huh absolutely and i think that is directly related to two things one of them is the the structure of taxation that we have at you know, flat tax, $800 a pound. It doesn't matter, you know, what it sells for. It's always the same. And so automatically, you know, you're pricing there makes the cultivator think they've got to, they've got to charge a higher price and to collect back that tax. Cause they don't want, they don't want to be caught with that burden so it, it it always gets passed off on the consumer in the end so it goes from the cultivator to the retailer retailer marks up 100 percent, and that's how we're ending up with 14 to 22 dollar grams and it a lot of it has to do with the taxation and there's i would think that uh also the they they, they call out federal tax but i don't think that that uh what is it uh I can't quote out exactly what the tax code is. 280E, right. I think, is 280E, you know, there's a lot of um, cultivators out there that are also retail. And so do they have to mark it up 100%? I don't know. But, um, yeah, a lot of the problem is ta over taxation and, of course, the IRS um, <laughs> unknowns. All right. I, I was always thinking about as a public policy standpoint when you're charging the same amount per pound it's encouraging cultivators to make just high thc cannabis and if it's all being charged the same thing you're going to get more money for that and there's a lot of people that don't need that don't want that high thc 
but it's always encouraging when it's always taxed the same. Be better at the consumer level, I always thought. Yeah, and I, I, I would like to see the this Department of Revenue or legislature, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing it'd have to be a joint effort, but I, I really think if we if we can continue to move forward that they should really, one of the big things they need to look at is that excess tax and, you know, understand that the only way this industry can be successful is if the industry is competitive to current pricing and the black market pricing, you know, it has to be competitive. And otherwise, we all know that most of your heavy users, folks that make up a great deal of demand, will stay with the black market because it's cheaper on them. And of course, like you said, the CBD thing, if they're not able to get the CBD strains on the legal market, they're going to stay on the black market. Right. Um, so they've got to really aggressively look at how they can make that price point um, how they can work with the licensees to make it possible for them to charge that competitive pricing. Then we'd see a huge shift to the legal market, you know, and then, uh, but, uh, so, so taxes, pricing has to change. Um, yeah. But what's going on? I see you work at Panama Reds. Give a plug for that. Well, Panama Reds is, uh, a garden supply store. We are located both in Kenai and in Homer, and we sell all kinds of. Um, we sell everything: organic nutrients, uh, pre-formulated nutrients, including Advance, Botanicare, um, General Hydroponics, General Organics. The list goes on like typical garden store. Um, and yeah, Carl, the owner, he's he's really friendly to industry and you know just need to talk to him if you need to a lot of folks don't realize that they, they think they can order something out of state saving on shipping well if they talk to carl in advance he orders so much that sometimes he can save some money on shipping and and actually get it cheaper than they can get it online so yeah, it's always good to support to local carl. Yeah, he's yeah he's done a lot for the industry and you know he doesn't make a whole lot on the sale but um, he's he's a good dude. <laughs> you got, got to give the guy a call. All right, that's Panama Reds down in Homer. Hey, welcome back, Jeremiah. All right, yeah. so we just heard about a little bit about how you are, I don't know if you've always been an activist or not, but you definitely are doing well what you're doing. Do you have any early, really early activist uh, experience? Um, I think my first time I really started getting involved in activism or, you know, um, it was really big during Occupy. Um, oh, that's all I love you. That was a, a big movement that um, it went the wrong direction, but when it started, man, it was really it was very peaceful. Um, we brought up some good points, um, but yeah, we all know what happened to that movement. Kind of fizzled out. No, right. I uh, my first, uh, I guess, jumping off the fence was with the Ron Paul movement, and I think. Uh, it seems like the right side with Ron Paul and the left side with Occupy, just the same people on the other side of the, of the circle mm -hmm. and just getting played off each other when it all, when each, each team takes control. Mm -hmm. So um, now that we've got Trump in office, here's your chance to rage. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Sessions has been appointed now as the attorney general. And uh, what do you see? You really see a lot of uh, doom coming, don't you, for cannabis in particular or um, lots of things? And cannabis just happens to be what we're interested in. Well, to really to really cover it, uh, there's a lot of unknowns. And how do I summarize all this? stuff I have in front of me. I've got a couple pieces of paper here with just quote after quote after quote. I'll try to my best to really 
summarize my fears. Hmm. Um, Donald Trump on marijuana, and this is generally where a lot of folks go off of, and they, I, from my perspective, they, they believe that Donald Trump is is he's pro state decide. Um, he said, um, Mr. I'm going to read a, a little snippet. Uh, Mr. S- Mr. Trump has taken seemingly contradictory positions on the issue. Campaigning for election, he said that whether marijuana should be legal was a matter for individual states to decide. But he also called Colorado's cannabis regime, which is considered a model of prudent regulation by stoners, investors alike, a real problem. Okay. Um, so what I get out of that is that he would like the states to Oh, you know, to decide. Um, but there is also that chance of being pressured by his advisors um, to, you know, take action. And I and I think what I see most likely happening would be a crackdown on recreational. I think that there is so much support for medical cannabis, and they know it. Um, I think that medical would be left alone. I, but I think that uh, uh, recreational is at a, a risk. Um, I look at right now what stops them from intervening. Well, mostly they're, they don't have the funding. Like as of today, Jeff Sessions, if he wanted to, he could toss the – he doesn't even have to toss the full memo. All he, he could simply write a letter to the states that have recreational laws in place – and flat out tell them they're in violation of federal law. But, and and from what I can see, there's nothing stopping him from going after recreational. I do see something that makes it hard for him to attack medical, and that's the Roarbacker Farm Amendment. That mm. is a, a legislation first introduced by U.S. Reps Maurice Henchy, Dana Roarbacker, and Sam Farr in 2003, prohibiting the Justice Department from spending funds to interfere with the implementation of state medical marijuana laws. But it doesn't say anything about rec. No. And, um, and that just expires here in April, right? Absolutely. I mean, they yes. could just uh, just not even deal with it, and it just goes away, and then all medicals open. But very unpopular, but it could just go away. Now, absolutely, and I, see, I do see Republican support for medical, um, but... I, I've seen it in my own city. I've seen it at the borough level, um, just talking with these people, getting a, a, a scope of what they're thinking. And even Mayor Wythe, okay, Mayor Wythe was uh, here in Homer, and she was, at first she was completely against it, and then she shifted and said, well, I'm for, for medical only, but this recreational has to go away. And she tried to shut down, they wanted to pass a, a prohibition in Homer. And we fought through the community efforts, got people to come in and testify, and and, and and thankfully the, the, the council didn't ban, but it just gave me a perspective of what, and she's hardcore Republican, like Alaskan Republican to a T. And just getting a perspective on that and then looking at the, the, the just the comments and and the quotes they give, it, it they indicate that they're okay with medical, but recreational, it seems to be something they're not happy with. Right, it's just one more hold they can have, like... Uh just allowing more freedom like okay we can allow this medical but uh, that fun and stuff that's that's purely that's just you can't be doing that for any good reason and i'll always go back to um oh i can't what's the i can't believe i could the harborside health center why is his name escaping me but he's a wellness man i mean all cannabis use is a wellness there's no medical or recreational that's what I believe. Yeah, Stephen D'Angelo. I, there he is. I believe that wholeheartedly, whether you're just taking a break from a day or whatever. Um, one of the big things that I noticed in the news just recently was uh, Trump met with uh, police chiefs associations made for like the major cities, police chiefs association, something like that. I, I can't 
exactly recall the exact name of the associations, but they're they're big. Um, and they were talking about civil asset forfeiture and bringing back civil asset forfeiture. Hmm. And at one point, and this was just like two days ago, and at one point, Donald Trump made a joke about, I think there was a senator that was opposed to it. And he goes, can you name which senator it was? We'll, we'll ruin his career or something along those lines. Yeah, we'll destroy him. Would anybody like to make a statement? Couple of years yes, sir. Asset forfeiture. We've got a state senator in Texas that was, was talking about introducing legislation to require conviction before we could receive that forfeiture money. And I told him that the cartel would build a monument to him in Mexico if he could get that legislation. Who's the state right. senator? Do you want to give his name? We'll destroy his career. <laughs> will destroy his career it's like okay so we're, now we're talking about civil af asset forfeiture again in the mainstream and the new executive orders that came out today or well they're they're dated for the day on the white house website are concerning um and in my twitter feed i'm already see i already seen aclus going wait a minute this looks like a ramp up for a drug war because they're talking about the cartels and ca cracking down on the cartels and um, what was the word they used? Uh, uh, affiliated organizations, or uh, but that was the general essence of it was affiliated organizations. Um, uh, so it's it's really concerning to me, and I, you know, will they? The money thing. We got to talk about the money thing. You know, Trump does like money, right? It, it does um, bring a lot of tax revenue. It, it brings jobs. It, it, the money side. Now, if they if they went to medical only, then they could still generate money. I mean, it would be it would be safe to go to medical, public wise, you know, public policy wise. Sure, get that list going. Yeah everyone's name on it that they could uh, immediately turn on if they choose to. Yeah. That's what's nice about recreational. Well, that's, that's, There's still some employers that don't, that frown upon cannabis use and now that you can just go on and no one even knows what you're doing. Privacy a big yeah. thing. I think the thing that really I think a lot about and go back to is you know how the drug was, war was even began by, you know, Nixon and then carried on through by Reagan. And um, I want to read this excerpt from Forbes. Um, I think it's really important. It was written by Eric Sherman on March 23rd, 2016. It's just a little snippet I found. There's a certain degree of cynicism one can develop in looking at social and power structures in the world. But sometimes you come across something so unexpected that it is like a sharp slap in the face. Dan Baum's mention of his interview with John Ehrman councilman and assistant of the president for domestic affairs under Nixon in the latest issue of Harper's is one of those moments. The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemy enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them right out night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. And I go back to that that comment that was made. That came out, and it was a big shock. And hard to comprehend that that actually happened. And as I see today, we have this big ramp up for immigration enforcement and I just I feel like we're just going back to repeat the same things over again and I and I feel like cannabis users are just going to be thrown into the fray just because it it's easy to target people that have cannabis that smells you walk up to someone when they, they, they could have a, a, an ounce or not an ounce a, a, an eighth in their car policeman walks up he can smell it Right there is a reason to come in and search, and if they reinstate civil asset forfeiture, they take the next step. It's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous place. <laughs> then you face criminal charges. You have family disruptions. Can't get good jobs. 
Yes, very bad cycle. Now, I try to think positive in all of it, and I hope that. And I, it's hard to be optimistic too when when the when the, when the Congress is so supportive of this this agenda that's already rolling out. Um, well, did you see that thing today? Uh, I just saw what is this? The Respect State Marijuana Laws of 2017, uh, House Resolution 975. So that's a, a federal thing. Who introduced that? Do you know? I believe it's uh, Rohrbacher, the same um, person doing, uh, you know, that had his medical the medical marijuana where you can't fund. I believe it was him, and then I'm sure that guy's from California, right? Yeah, I think he's dem too. I could be wrong. Oh, hmm. Is um, he dem? Oh, oh, dem. I thought you said dead. No. Yeah, I, I think so. I was looking at him today. I mean, we we have that, and I just doing research today. We've got uh, speaking on positiveness. Tammy Wilson, local Tammy Wilson, doing um, HB forty two. Where this um, asset forfeiture, where you need a conviction uh-huh. first, and then um, it's going to protect spouses and kids, guiltless spouses, and then they're going to. Now, need... this is our. Is this uh, that's the national? No, HB this is HB forty two is state. Yeah, through well, um, who is it? Ledoux and Millet. And... Oh, of course, Ledoux. <laughs> and she's then, uh, awesome. Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> Wilson. Um, she goes back and forth a lot up here. She doesn't have a lot of... Uh, she seems to be extreme right. A lot of people pin her that way, but this is cool. She's for the privacy. And she the way the bill reads, it's going to be uh, any assets gained go right into the general fund instead of into police. So it kind of stops that police for profit mentality. The police, yeah, it stops the race. Well... So, that's good. I mean, so um, yeah. that's making movement. And then we have that national. You were looking up something about um, whether he's Dem or Republican? Robot? Yeah, I believe he's... Um, he's uh, I got his website up. Um, doesn't say on his website. He's in the 48th California district. And that's, that's all the information I got on his website. I believe he's Dem, though. Uh, no, he's a Republican. Yes. California. So that's good. Yeah, states' rights, I guess. He's pushing that way. And, oh, man, how it, it's going to be hard to stop California, don't you think? I mean, with California coming online, I mean, one of one of Sessions' ways to attack is to, like you were saying, um, write those letters to governors or um, put those injunctions in to where they could kind of stop the, the regulation from uh, continuing on, where in Colorado, Washington, Alaska, we already have establishments. It might be harder to get ours stopped but they can definitely delay they the one another way too is this funding and and that's something with california right now is cut they, they've threatened to cut funding if they have their sanctuary cities thing going and it's like well you know if, if they did go the the bad route that's one way that they could they could threaten the state of alaska look if you don't stop all these um you know pretty much if you don't revoke licenses then they're going to lose state funding and blah 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 um that's another route they could take um you know, there's been legislation introduced into Congress numerous times. Even Sanders put one up to, de- you know, remove cannabis from the list of controlled substances altogether. Um, that didn't get any movement. Um, I just feel that's all about money, that one. Just the idea that as soon as you deschedule it, then two, uh, 280E changes, you have um, the tax structure can... Oh, it, the feds will not be collecting the amount of taxes they are now from legal cannabis if they deschedule it. So that's going to be a long, slow fight. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. That IRS hangs on to everything. All right. It, 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 yeah, why would they give it up? They'll find ways, other ways to allow it, I, that, which I'm hoping that that respect state marijuana laws can get some traction. You know, just leave people alone that have it going. 
and just what was the call memo. Do you know the number? Do you remember the number of that bill again? I want to look that up later and read it some more. Uh, nine seven five, HR nine seven five. Okay. And then ours is um, HB forty two. Okay. Yeah, I got that one written down. Okay, so that's. You know, it, it would be very nice if they could just. You know, one of the ways they can defeat the cartel. Now's the one a big thing in this executive order that I just read uh, about. You know, they want to eliminate cartels. They want to crack down on cartels hard. Um, and really, if, if maybe some people with some common sense will go in and point out to him, look, Donald, and Sessions and the whole committee, you know, his whole cabinet, and just, look, the way you defeat the cartel is you take their money away, let the states sell the weed. <laughs> you know, like, it's that simple. Um, I, just, I just hope it isn't something that we get into – targeting ethnic groups again and using marijuana as an underlier or cannabis as an underlier to do it. Um, yeah, right. You were saying something about um, going back to the blacks and hippies in the seventies and just going back to Anslinger before that yeah. with uh, Mexicans and Chinese. Yeah. And so now the whole Mexican and Muslim action going on to where I, you know, I'm hearing a lot about hashish now and the, the assassins from Muslims you know, that's coming into the collective consciousness again. And oh, uh, the Mexicans and then build the wall. Uh, so all those things. It, yes, cannabis is an easy way to attack the people, not necessarily the plant, but the people and the culture using the plant, the thinkers, the the ones that are already saying we don't necessarily care about your laws. It's got to be mm-hmm. scary for authority. Yeah, yeah I just... Uh... I'd be looking at Sessions' Senate record and and say things he said at confirmation hearings. You know, he he did he did he did he did point out if they want to make it legal, then the legislature may needs to make it legal, or at least not let the states decide. I mean, that's that's truth, and that is some hope. It is. Um, Hopefully, it forces it. It, it, Hope like it forces that hand of okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to follow the law. You change the law. If you don't want me to do this, then change the law. And which is, there's some, there's some respect for that. And it's kind of uh, disingenuous to allow all these uh, cannabis facilities to operate and then have it federally illegal. Just let it go. You know, I think it's just that idea of at any time you can just pounce and destroy it, which keeps um, a lot of good uh, research from happening. Um, Definitely the medicinal side from even being looked at. Consumer rights. You know, and that's that's the other route. Is this could go to, um, you know, so the, we talked, we really explored the bet, the worst case scenario, asset forfeiture, mass incarceration. You know, hmm. um, the other the other alternative is just the medical industry being taken over by pharmaceutical industries and big business. That's another possibility too. All right. Are you so saying? I, um, the big pharma taking over cannabis or um, excluding cannabis. Okay, yeah, Monsanto and just making, we'll have one strain. We'll have, a, what, a sativa, an indica, and maybe a hybrid? Well, I don't know if it would be like that. I think it would be more like you would have, rather than one strain, I think they would have a variety of strains, but you would see, like, what's that company, um, GW Pharmaceuticals? believe it's GW Pharmaceuticals. Sounds familiar. They're the ones. Yeah, G Pharmaceuticals. They're getting pretty big. Um, they're a global leader in developing cannabinoid-based medicines. Hmm. You know, they Their stock is at $127.93 right now. Sativex is the problem they created for multiple sclerosis. So I would... I would worry that extractions especially too, you know, that's something you see in the news all the time. They're always trying to slam on extracts. Oh, they're dangerous. They're killing people. I thought I'd just seen a new article about how an extract killed somebody. And, you know, it's just, is it going to get reworked? Is it going to get moved here? Is it going to get squashed? That's where I'm at. I'm like, I'm uncertain. (laughs) Right. It's, it's, 
it is a big, uh, big step forward when it could all be taken away from you. I, when you talk about trying to take back what's happening with the cannabis movement, we've got what a sixty-one percent are pro legalization in the country, and uh, Sessions saying only bad people smoke marijuana. We've right. got the previous presidents all admitting to smoking marijuana. Uh-huh. Uh, more than half are admitting to smoking it. Twenty-eight states have legalized medical, eight recreational. It is going to be hard to stop that wave. And when you're looking at other states or seeing what's happening, why can't we have that too? And the idea of just once an East Coast state legalizes and all those other states around that legal state realize how much money is being sucked out of their economy, I, I feel that's one thing that's going to happen. I, I feel we're go, we're looking towards national legalization. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, and a lot of this could just be the, the last breath of the, the prohibition, um, which is what I hope. I genuinely hope that this is the last breath of prohibition. Um, But, you know, one thing is, is a lot of people have been afraid of marijuana and or cannabis and, and, and I just don't know how hard they're willing to fight to shut it all down. Yeah, I know. It, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's unpopular. It would be like we were talking about earlier with Sessions with fighting immigration. There's so many other fights he has right now. Is he is he really going to push hard? against um an unpopular fight like this and very expensive fight i mean it'll be up in not that immigration won't be in the courts for a while but all these businesses suing and but it it could just it's going to be i think it's going to be up to the power of the states i think he is going to send something to the governors warning them maybe that coal memo is not all that's cracked up to be and uh be prepared for something to happen and then weak governors and i don't know if we have a strong governor here in alaska that's going Jerry, to uh, the yeah. governor of california is really going to be interesting and i and i have a lot of confidence in california because they've been threatened with their money and they just responded back by like well fine we won't send you any more taxes not <laughs> <laughs> right you know? Like for every dollar they send to the federal government, what was it like sixty or seventy cents they get back? So they're really shooting the the federal government shooting themselves in the foot. And again, yeah, it's gonna boom in California. Now there's also the fear of the Cal exit too. I mean, if Cal, California leaves, well, I mean, where does that leave us? Uh, being in Alaska, we're still in the United States. Are you suggesting California leaving the United States? Is that what you're saying? There is movement and traction. I don't know how far it's going to go, but there was a poll done, and like three percent of voters were, were supportive of the Cal exit. Nice, something, of, some, something of that sort. Start um, pushing more into the um, Alaska Independence Party, then. Maybe we can join up with them and make a uh, a West Coast island. We join know, up with right? Washington, could, Oregon, and California. We could sell them oil. They could sell us computers and freaking. I don't know. I, I think we should bring along Oregon and Washington as well. Agreed. That would be cool. Have a West Coast. And we can invite city. Canada too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, that Trudeau, he's really hard to figure out too on cannabis. It's like I thought they were going forward, but I guess they're developing all their regulations. So. Yeah, it is a long not, process. Yeah. He's been really rough on uh the Emery's, but well, not him personally, but yeah. Well, let's Go let's Canada. play a game here. What? Let's say that Sessions um, completely wakes up tomorrow morning and sends his what? He sends his letter to governors and saying, "Okay, cease and desist." Then he probably what closes down um, uh, the state, uh, like Amco would probably be not allowed to operate. Do you think that would happen? And let's play that game. What, what would if, happen if he if he if he called out and said that he was going to enforce federal law? 
Yes, Cole it, Memo it, doesn't exist anymore. We're taking away oh, that. It would, yeah, it would go to the governor, and then the legislature would have to. Dis- I would assume that the governor and legislature would have to figure out what they would do um, if they agreed to do it. You're absolutely the AMCO board would probably send out cease and desist letters to everybody, giving them a time frame to close operations. And then um, after that, of course, the AMCO board would be broken back down into just an alcohol board and it would probably just be thrown in the trash. Now, I don't know how far the legislature would go, considering it was a ballot measure. You know, they may keep personal use. They may just scrap it all together. They have that right. Um, it's been yeah. in the legislature for two years now, so. Well, don't uh, they get access to it now, right? I think they had to wait. Um, wasn't uh, they had to wait one year after it went into full effect till they could manipulate it? I believe it's February 24th or some, it's it, towards the end of this month, I believe, is when it was signed into law by the legislature right. two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, they'll be getting their mitts into it, and that's when I, I have a lot of this, well, mm-hmm. maybe the, the black market diversion is going to start being attacked and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that ramp, that talk ramping up, and uh, boy, um, I feel like we've kind of taken a step forward and then a back step backwards rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to look at how we can get more people involved and we can see that conversion from black market to legal market. We got to look, if we can go the right way, I would love to hit taxes hard this year and, and hit you know, just some of the regulations that are so restrictive. Like, there's got to be a way to streamline the fire marshals and the and the and the and, and the local zoning is out of control, oh. especially in Anchorage. I see this stuff in my newsfeed, and I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't even know how people live there. <laughs> like, I don't get it. All right, like, old Jack Tobin, huh? I mean, he is facing yeah. the David and Goliath fight, and for everyone to see, everyone just witnessing his gladiator match. Yeah, I don't know how he keeps his cool either, because he's just like, man, today, you know, like you read his post, he's all calm about it. Me, I'd be like, this is bullshit, you know, Uh, but. (laughs) We're fairly lucky here in Fairbanks. It all, um, we only have one, one or two um, officials that are really against it that, um, and they can't overpower, they can't overvote people. It's. Uh But <laughs> the power of majority working in our way, <laughs> mobocracy. <laughs> yeah, down here is fair. We have a, I don't know, our assembly is kind of up in the air right now for the borough. Um, I think they're just, they're not going to do anything until after the vote, more than likely. Um, uh, Homer's fair, but we do have a pretty split council and the mayor can break the tie. Um, but he's wishy-washy, so it's we we've got a lot of changes to be made in Homer. Um, but like for example, they don't allow us to do anything on the spit, which makes absolutely zero sense. No right, uh, I mean, that's where all the tourists are going to be, right? Yeah, abs- yeah. And there was two licensees in the list of licensee, or at least one. Yeah, one licensee that wanted to start, but I mean he's on the the state list of licensees, but he can't go anywhere with it. Um, there was like two other people that wanted to start one out there, but yeah, it could be doing the same as what Valdez. I mean, they seem to be having a lot of, um, uh, success on the other side of the water. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing fine. I, I, from what I understand. And, um, that's, that's good. Yeah. These tourist towns are, I think are a hidden treasure and, and where a lot of the money is going to be made. tourists there at good sense it's uh, wow yeah I'm, I'm surprised and one of the things that i've been noticing is people don't have anywhere to smoke it really hits home as far as that on-site consumption idea P- tourists are coming in and they're like so where do we smoke can we smoke here oh no you guys can't smoke here and we 
you know, it's just like, okay, just just start thinking, where are you going to smoke? But then it makes criminals out of people. Uh-huh. You know, they're having to go out and hide behind cars and trying to toke up on something. And it's not, it's not fair to have a legal market and make, make it like that. Yeah. And then I will also force them to like, I think if I was a tourist and I came to Alaska, I'd be smoking weed in the, in my hotel room. All right. So, or rental cars. You know, yeah. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. And that, it's just not, I, I think we need to have both clubs and retail. The, the, I like the on-site consumption, great, but I, I, I think that both of them need to be there. Um, Agreed. There's a place for just, everything. Yeah, I mean, why limit ourselves to just one option? What's what's? I mean, granted, the 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 club isn't going to really make a whole lot of money in like excess tax or whatever, or, or uh, but they will generate sales tax through their um, club memberships. Um, if they started doing you know, um, well, they're already doing events, but they, they, I think they should sell more food, you know, like hot dogs and hamburgers right. and, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's money. That's revenue. That's, um, anyways, I haven't been down to the potluck. We had, um, the higher calling club here in Fairbanks for maybe four months and that was great. I mean, he didn't make a lot of money cause it's mostly growers going in and hanging out, smoking weed and talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah, couldn't buy thing. it. Yeah. Yep. I've seen a lot of people giving giving away free weed. I mean, that's at the true. club here in Homer, there was a. I mean, I didn't really see anybody trying to hustle anything. Um, if they did, they were just. I, they didn't let nobody knew. I mean, it was just. I. It, I miss the clubs. They were a great place to to get people to go to meetings like we could bring people straight you know like talk to people in the club and say look tomorrow there's a council meeting y'all need to be there you know and then afterwards we'd have a party at the club <laughs> you right. know so like it's a great way to get people involved in in, in 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 their local government and it's also a great place for people to um, make business relationships maybe find investors or employees or uh, even at this point now that we've got a running industry um, people could find suppliers or outlets to sell their cannabis. So definitely, the the few months that Higher Calling Club was open, I still have friends that I met there, still working with now. I'm just meeting them through that outlet, hanging out, smoking, mm-hmm. and talking. And what a what a way to be able to. That was really fun for me to um, smoke in public and be like just be allowed, and everyone else sitting around doing it, and it wasn't any kind of big deal. That's when I felt free. Yeah. That's when I felt. That's when I felt safest. Is when we had the clubs, and um, since they were so heavily pressured to, to shut down, ours shut down for a lot of the reasons. Um, but we definitely had our, you know, our, our uh, chief of police started getting, you know, hey, shut her down, you know, because because Franklin kept calling him nonstop. Well, that club down there needs this, you know. Squeaky wheel, huh? Yeah. But I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, I always, I, um, my general worldview is just freedom and liberty. So if a club wants to exist and they can make it, do it. That means people want to come to it. You know, if I, if I just do what people want, and that, that'll be what survives. It's one of the good things I like about Alaska is the way they've structured their can a business um, opt in that any pretty much anyone can do it if you have money I guess just with limited money even compared to other states requiring such high high numbers and low applications that they're giving out one of the good things about Alaska yeah yeah they need to have like a 10k license you know not a 10 like cost a 10k but like a 10k plan for someone to be able to license for less than ten thousand dollars and be operational it would be great for small baby growers like like a home grower why didn't they create a provision where home growers who could pass the testing could sell their excess to 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 retail it just as long as they are following the 24 or the 12 plant count mm-hmm. i mean they no, if they're I, willing it's great they were willing to open up their home to uh, a specialist. Why is it a problem? 
like anyways <laughs> you know I, I really liked that when they were talking about the cannabis broker idea that mm-hmm. kind of go around and buy from all those little grows and be like the the middleman that would hold the license that would pay the taxes and get all that stuff done I, it just went away I'm sure it went away for a reason and I wasn't involved in it that way but that one was a I, I was one of few of quite a few people that were opposed to the um, broker license type and one of the big reasons for it is because it, it was a forced situation for limited so limited oh. <laughs> limited would have been forced to um, sell to a broker and they wouldn't be able to go directly to the retail establishment and our, a lot of our concerns were that a broker any in most cases is going to buy low and sell high right. and so there's this middleman in between there and cultivators won't necessarily be able to collect what their product is worth worth and eventually down the road these guys these brokers another concern is that they'd be continuously warehousing and just continually driving down price that was a big concern mm-hmm. yeah good um, point but if they if they if if they wanted to re- rediscuss brokers i think it should should be one of those situations where it is not required and they could choose to sell well, at least for limiteds, sell directly to a retailer or a broker for home. Like if they did another sub license to the limited for, for like a home growers limited, limited, <laughs> they could do a broker for that. And that would make sense because we're only talking about a couple ounces here, a couple ounces there. Right. I'm wondering hearing about some of these really big grows coming online. It, it's, is it even going to be easy for some of us even smaller growers i mean we have a standard cultivation like we're no way what's coming out there when they put when they made that standard cultivation uh unlimited it, uh-huh. it, that's that's going to be insane what some people's money is bringing in we've got two giant cultivators coming in up here in fairbanks alaskan blooms and um uh green leaf and from what i'm hearing about what they got going on like investing half a million 800,000 bucks in their operation going to be huge. Yeah. I, I know California was wise when they passed their rec, uh, when they voted it in, they passed a recreational provision that put a, what was it? A, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just a limit. It was a, a period. Yeah. They, well, they put a, a temporary limit down on the size of this, uh, of facilities. It's like 22,000 square feet is all they would allow for the first five years hmm. to allow every, to allow every, and I think Alaska would be wise to do the same thing is right. to put in a cap because yeah, it's just not, it, we don't want to create a monopoly type system. And I, I get that, that, that there's going to be a lot of uh, variety out there, but, Let's say someone does really well, and I get it. They should be rewarded for doing really well, but let's not allow them to control the whole industry. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Um, right. Some of the things I'm hearing right now are uh, uh, the alcohol industry is getting upset with the way marijuana has taken a lot of the focus from Amco, and they're having to deal with a lot of marijuana issues, and then licenses are, are lapsing, and then there's... I believe there's some kind of class action lawsuit being developed that's going to be going against Amco, which is going to be limiting the ability to um, uh, for licenses to happen. So right now, the best thing that could happen, in my opinion, is just Amco separates and let the cannabis control board exist and the alcohol control board exist as two different entities and do it that way. But I agree. um, they're they're not doing that and they're just going to be doing more meetings but lower amounts of licenses and it's really going to slow the process down so a lot of the licenses that exist now might be the ones that are going to be existing for a little while that might be a way you know the beginning of how we get back to sessions again you know that idea of you they're not coming in and physically shutting people down they're just using courts and paper and words to halt a movement or try to at least stop it, slow it. Yeah. Well, I've seen governor Walker. I mean, we have a huge opportunity with this industry and I, I've, I've, 
I've watched it from the beginning and I've seen it get delayed, installed, and delayed, installed, and delayed, installed. And I just did beyond me why we don't have more than 100 people licensed at this point. Um, you know, and, and, and the reason for that is, is because he won't allow them to hire more staff. It's that simple. If they could hire more staff and process applications, get more people out there, get, you know, and if they're worried about the enforcement side, then they could, you know, it just, it, it, you can't make money without spending a little money and the state needs to spend a little money to make some money right now. <laughs> there you, you go. Know? Scared money doesn't make money, a friend of mine says. Yeah. So, um, I was interesting to see director Franklin step out now. Oh, me too. I, I was deaf. That came as a surprise to me. Me too. I, I don't know what to even think about that. And they, they've been quiet about it. They haven't said there's no, there's nothing about why or really much. It's just, she left. <laughs> yes. And I, I, it was probably overwhelming for is one of the things she's at the end of her career. She, it seemed like she did a pretty good job in my opinion. She held things together. She didn't always say everything I agreed with, but um, mm -hmm. it, she seemed to keep things fair at times. I heard her speak up for the industry. Uh, this the, the new lady. I'm I'm I haven't heard if she's seeking to be the permanent chair or not. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see the Sarah Oates, but she just might not have the confidence or the uh, you know maybe the experience to do it quite yet. But she's mm -hmm. been doing a good job sitting there. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> now, what do you think? What do you think? She could have. Well, they made a blunder when they didn't do the paperwork right. They didn't process the paperwork right, so that kind of stalled on-site consumption thing because it was some sort of clerical error. Yeah, that to me that seems like it's bogus. Like if you're if you're the um, government holding it up and you make the the error, then that's on you. You know, it's not a right. Why should industry suffer? Yeah, yeah, complete sabotage. It could be. I mean, hopefully yeah. not. But, uh, I don't know enough about the new, the new, the, the, the interim director, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> right. We've been so busy with running a business. I've been kind of falling away from what's happening. I, I see who gets approved. I listen to the on-site consumption part. Um, I don't know if they're, when's the next meeting? Do you even know? Um, well, they just had one on the second, so it's probably right. March. Let me see. I can look it up real quick. Yeah, they're, I think they were talking about increasing the amount and then reducing them to one day instead of the two days. Like in, Wait, like in, let's see. April 5th. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's too, what? You're really? kidding me. So if April 5th is the next meeting day, all of these applicants... So there's a lot of people that are probably going to be renewing too on the on the on the cannabis side. Um, so, wow, another two months for more licensees. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's heartbreaking. And just to even see the like, just to get your name on the list, then it goes to delegation, and then it has to go back to whichever local authority has control over you, and then it bounces back to the the CCB meeting. Wow, not April. Yeah, April 5th, 2017, uh, at the Atwood Building in Anchorage. Hmm. Wow. And then uh, I guess that gives maybe uh, give Sessions some time to see what's going to happen federally. Maybe, uh, yeah, I guess it's two months, right? If they just had one in February. It seems like a long way away. It does, but, yeah. Hmm. Well, all right, Jeremiah. Um I am. I'm going to thank you so much for joining me on this first attempt at Trans Alaskan Far North Tokers. Yeah, yeah. Thanks um, for having me. And um, yeah, I want to have you again. Just as things go, as things happen, it seems easy enough to do this. I shouldn't be, shouldn't be hard to break it down. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we'll, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the next couple of weeks. So we might. Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to come back and talk some more and share my. Anytime you want to, anytime you want to, just let me know and we'll record something. We can, I have no trouble with including you on as a little segment each time, giving you a little piece. Cool, man. That's awesome. All, All right. Man. Yeah. You take care, Jeremiah. And, um, I'm going to join you in a trans Alaskan toke right here. I'll take All care. Right. Yeah. Take care.
You take care, mate. Thank you for joining us on Far North Toga. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud, search Mid Toga, and farnorthtokers.com. See ya!